Hi, this is Jeff Davis. I spent many years just down the road playing rock and roll along the lakefront in Chicago at WLS Music Radio. This year's a banner year for Radio Centennials. That's why I'm happy to wish my brothers and sisters in radio a heartfelt 100th anniversary at 1440 WROK in Rockford, Illinois. Sometimes people just need a really good reason to get back together and enjoy each other. This is one of those occasions. Getting behind the microphone again and sharing those seldom told tales is a special feeling these folks didn't want to pass up. The studio is filled with decades of photos, bumper stickers, buttons, albums, t-shirts, jackets, original signs, and well-deserved industry awards. Here's to WROK's 100 years of broadcasting in Northern Illinois and Southern Wisconsin. And now, more radio stories between old friends on another episode of the Storyteller Studio. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Storyteller Studio. Today, I have somebody that has not only been at WROK, but you will know him from WIFR TV 23, and it's Aaron Wilson. How are you? I'm well, Tim. How are you? Good. I, it's so bizarre that you're sort of back here the second time, because the first time was really off in left field, wasn't it? It was, and so off in left field that you know I got to spend about five, five and a half years doing a small portion of the WROK programming, but I never wore cans. So right away, you're like, hey, we got some headphones over there. Do you want to put the headphones on? And you've got yours fixed, (laughs) all set to go. You're hearing everything perfectly. But I never really wore cans because I was never really a radio person. I'd done TV for a number of years. And the opportunity came up to do live at 5, 5 to 6 p.m. that Dean Irvin used to do. Yeah. And I said, sure, why not? But did you run your own board? No. Oh, I had a producer. That's why you could do several great producers. That's why you could do without the headphones because they were monitoring it. Yes, I got you now. Where did it? I mean, we'll get back to the live at five. But where did all of it start? Were you a TV journalism slip into radio type of person, or where did it all begin? No, no, I was uh, in college to be a teacher. And to go into administration and teaching someday, maybe be principal, maybe oh. be some type of a you know, reading instructor, that type of thing. And the TV thing happened out of a, an internship that I did to kind of get the TV bug out of my system back in the early 90s at 13. It was fun, but I thought they don't make a lot of money. It's yeah. not as glamorous as it looks. And yeah. again, this is the early 90s. But I interned with an incredible group. And that would have been John Ivanic. Oh, and oh, I mean, sure. we're talking a lot of people that came through at that time Jody Muslin, yeah. um, Sarah Vetter. And then you had your Mike Robinson, who was there. Obviously, he was news director and news anchor. Right. Right. And then you just had a ton of people that came through at that time Brett Baer, yeah. Joel Clayfish. Uh, the list goes on. And, and, and these people went on to bigger, better markets, and then bigger, better careers in either politics or in the public sector. So you flash forward to when I'm in college, mm-hmm. and I'm at a party up in Milwaukee to revisit a lot of the people that I had a chance to intern with, and they say, hey, what are you doing? You're not in TV. Well, no, no, I didn't really like my experience with you, but I liked you. I just didn't like 13, and I didn't like the experience. So they're like, you really need to try to do this. So then I started doing weekend weather at 23 when I was a senior in college. 
And before I graduated that senior year of college, I was working full-time, and that was it. And where did you go to college? Rockford College, Rockford University now. Oh, my. Wow. Because you said the party in Milwaukee. That's what sort of threw me off a little Well, a lot of them had gone to the Milwaukee market. Oh, gotcha. And then Joel Clayfish, who was in the Milwaukee market at Channel 12 WISN, he was in a band called Boogeymen. So a lot of us would go up to watch this band, Boogeymen, and... Then their opening act was Cheddar Cheese, because you're in Wisconsin. By the way, thanks for the, the Packer schedule. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so, yeah, a lot of us were up there to see them, and I think we were actually at the Milwaukee County State's Attorney's. Long story, a lot of people, right? but it drew me back into the TV business. My goodness. And that would have been in 96, 97. So when you were doing Weather at TV 23... Mm-hmm. It was not an internship like at 13. No, it was, you at were 13, hired... I was in high school. Yeah. I, I just really wanted to go out oh. and experience it. And the rules were different then. I mean, a high school kid who walked up to Mike Robinson and said, hey, I'm interested in the news business. Can I come out here and observe and, and, and take a look? There weren't formal forms back then. No. It was, hey, there's this kid. He's going to get your coffee. He's going to get your scripts. He'll do whatever you want. Yeah. And... I was aggressive with it. I would go out Saturday mornings and would go record all what we call today VOs. Yeah. This is this little fun car show is happening and yeah. book fair is happening. And I would go out and spray the video and then interview whoever was in charge and then cut that film at the time, tape, down for the evening broadcasts on weekends. So, so you would edit the package? Yeah, not the package. Okay. It was the piece that would fit into news where they would just do a quick VO voiceover gotcha. of an event that happened that day. Gotcha. And that was quite useful for the talent at that time because that was beneath them. You didn't want to go out and shoot those type of things. <laughs> I got to drive a station car. I don't even know how that was legal. And I was off and running in a maroon, rusty old station wagon, taping away. Is that where you got the bug for doing what you do now? I had with... the bug growing up. No, but I mean with locations and being everywhere. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I got the bug for being everywhere because during that internship, I just hated being in the studio. Oh. Um, and it was a lot more stress at that time. Temper tantrums behind the scene. Okay. Um there's a reference in Anchorman the movie that's pretty spot on. You know, nobody reads my news. That's right. Well, I've worked with some people in this market who had those beliefs back and, in the and, late 90s and, and early 2000s. And in radio, so yeah. have I. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what was really fun about when you guys came in here to do the, the live shot in the morning with our Storyteller Studio? I was assigned to write the newscast for Fred Spear... As if it was October 26, 1985. And you did a spectacular job. Thank you. Because I was blasted back to 10-year-old Aaron Wilson. And I was yes. Like, That's the news. That's that- it. I remember how Fred used to read it, how mm-hmm. he used to deliver it, because I worked with him in my two tours at ROK, because he was there 44 years. Of course, you were there both times. As long as you knew his rhythm, and you're looking up these things from 1985, when he took that piece of paper and read it, and I'm sitting across the table from him like I used to be. It was magic. And I felt like a little kid listening to Fred do his news spot again. As you ate your Cheerios. Minus the him being out <laughs> live on the scene yes. of either a major accident, yes. fire, or unfortunately any type of murder that might have taken place. But right. you know, he was definitely known for that spot news thing. You know, and that that's... I think then as we jump ahead, what made me interested in an opportunity to be at WROK, 
because when we were listening as a family when I was growing up, mm-hmm. that was king in the morning. And that was just when a local morning television show was starting. You didn't have those options. No. Then. We would watch NBC News at sunrise, Deborah Norville and Joe Witte, mm-hmm. and then the radio would flip on, and it would be Dan and Doug, Ken and Fred, yeah, and maybe a sprinkle of Sue Morose doing weather. Which isn't that ironic and, from TV yeah, 23. And whoever else that they would have on. Wow. As, as sort of a little snippet that i got to throw in here, I was mentioning that Kipper McGee came in last week to do our sit-down, and he brought a 9x12 manila envelope chucked full of stuff that he says, you guys may have an interest to this. You may already have it on display, but you may not. Out of the 12 things that were in there, we did not have 11 of them. So, I'm surprised because yeah. as I look around this place, yeah. I can't believe there's something you don't have. <laughs> yes. And one of them was United Cerebral Palsy Walkathon. You remember when they used to do that? There was always a radio station tie and a TV station tie. And the one that he brought in, which were the sort of the honorary chair people of the event, was Eric Green from WIFR and Chuck Doyle. Oh, boy. And it was their 13th year, I think, for UCP. But it's sitting out there, so you have to you have to see that because you didn't see it when you were here for the live shot. And bringing back even like Eric or, or um, what was it? Was it Greg Schulte? Was that his name? He was a sports guy. My most vivid memories of WIFR watching, it was an Eric Green. Okay. It was a Sue. Mm-hmm. And it was an Andy doing sports. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And... Dallas ruled the airwaves on Friday nights. Yes. Mom had to watch Dallas. Yeah, of course. I was in the background that absorbing was... Dallas and had a lot of questions about Dallas. Yeah. And then another side story, I go on to college and watch it on TNN. It played three different times a day. So I got to watch all 13 seasons of Dallas, and I'm watching it going every season. Wow, that's what happened. Yeah. Oh, oh I didn't realize that because yeah. I was a kid watching that's it. That's right. Probably shouldn't have been watching it, but or, or half paying attention. Yeah. 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 Now, did you have any recollection of Chuck Faber at all? I do. Um, and it, they're vague, but yeah. definitely know the name, and definitely have memories of it, but they're not in-depth memories. I'll just say that. So were you a Dan Rather era? Yes. Okay. So no Walter Cronkite. No. You were probably Peter Jennings. Do you remember Definitely Peter him? Jennings. In okay. fact, when I was interning at 13, he did the show from Memorial Hall no. in downtown Rockford. Why? Uh, he just he was traveling around at that time. They would do shows from different communities. And Whoa. yes. So it's not like something happened no. here and he was reporting. No, no. He anchored the news, the world news from here. From one night? For one night. Wow. I did not know that. Yes. That's pretty cool. I'm going to jump just a little bit. Uh, when I went up to Door County just this last weekend, mm-hmm. I just went up there. I wanted to bike and I wanted to hike and take some photos and just sort of relax and tuck it in. And, you know, I begged Sandy to go and she goes, no, it's not my cup of tea. I go, okay. And off I went. Fish boil the whole nine yards. So I'm sitting at this honorary bar. Have you ever been to an honorary bar that's on the honor system? No. If you mix up something, if you take something, this is a public bar. This is not like taking something out of the fridge in your room. I thought everyone went up there to see the goats on the roof. Well, I saw those too at at Al Johnson's Swedish restaurant. I did. But I'm in this bar and in this bed and breakfast, and you you fill out a sheet of paper and you turn it into them when you check out. 
and that's the honor system. So I'm sitting there talking with these people. You know how you just sort of start up a conversation. Hey, where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. And of course, the first thing out of both of our mouths are, we're from Rockford. <laughs> so on and on we go. I'm telling him about, you know, my wife is marketing at Edgebrook and my son works for TV23. Really? We have, we have somebody that we know works at TV23. I said, oh, really? Yeah. Who's that? Well, that would be Aaron Wilson. Really? How do you know him? You know, like a neighbor or something like that? No, he was in our class at Jefferson High School. Oh, boy. Do you remember Christine Johnson? I do. She had a sister, Carrie. Okay. That's what she told me. She goes, if you throw that to him, he will recognize wow. the names. Yeah. So there's the she... biggest, smallest town <laughs> ever. And it continues. Yes. Isn't that funny? Yes. The thing of it is, I had to work at that connection because we didn't know each other as through conversation. Mm-hmm. But with you being on TV, I bet you get it all the time. It depends. Really? I think it depends on how you go about it. I do. No, but don't people sure. recognize you all the time? Well, and I wouldn't say all the time. And I don't know that you know some people don't choose to watch Channel 23 or they're, oh, they're not okay. aware. I okay. mean, that, yeah. that'll happen. And I think it's all, you know, you can go to the grocery store and be on a mission to get what you got to get. And you can slip in and slip out. Yeah, that's true. Or you can... Hey, look at me with my cart and I'm over here looking at this and you can, or you can be in a place where you already know the staff because you frequent that location and And so it's just, you're having a louder conversation and then people will hear and they'll join in. Yeah. So do you do the, uh, the dark ball cap and the great big uh, Paris Hilton glasses? No, no. But I mean, there is something about doing something like that, not to be hiding, but I, I typically wear hats when I'm not at work. I like to wear them at work too. I mean, mm-hmm. when you're on the go and you're out and about and you do weather out in the field, sometimes you just feel more comfortable in a hat. Yeah. Now you do probably three locations a week. I mean, it's pretty frequent. Wow. The average has gone up. And why is that? Do you get people that put in requests or they pay for you to come out for a particular reason? It's or a you mixture. just like doing it? It's a mixture. There is obviously paid. I mean, it's a business. Mm-hmm. Um, then there are certain live shots that get to be an idea. There are others that are for charity. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of it just too, when you're on a roll and you're more visible and you're doing it, more people see it. And then they think that they can reach out and contact you because they've got an idea or they've got something they'd like to see on. And then that can be kind of tricky because I, I just communicated with someone today who, you know, you got a PR firm who likes what you're doing and they've got a great idea and it's very timely, but you cross a line where they're advertising uh-huh. and uh-huh. you can't say, oh, sure, we'd love to come hang out with you, but you're on the other station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember in 2012, we had to have paid for you to come out. We had to have because we're a business. But when Skyward Promotions turned 25 years... It was a little different back then. Was it? Sales still hadn't taken hold like it is today. Okay. Um, that was a favor to Maureen. Oh. Because she was on me a lot Okay. To, to come out and do that. And I really just liked what you did. Yeah, there was a lot of material. Yes. Yeah, because we did a lot of products. And I still have my temperature barometer. What was it? It's yeah. a, yeah. a little plaque. It's down in my basement. Yeah. It still hangs do you up. really? I do. I do. Wow. That was sort of our thank you gift for you guys mm-hmm. coming in. Yes. Um, I cannot remember. Did you have a cameraman, a separate cameraman back then? Yes. Yes. Okay. Have you always had a cameraman? Um, it's gone through stages in 25 okay. years. Um, okay. There have 
I think when I first started, we always had a photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I had one of the best when I first started, and that was great, Stu Wallene. And he was taught to shoot like Fox, they used to say back then, not Fox the Network, but Fox morning local shows. Because you remember, Fox wasn't always around no. on local TV right? as far as the local broadcasts would go, the news broadcasts. And so they were really big on their morning shows because they didn't have a national morning show. So they were going up against the Today Show's Good Morning America's and whatever CBS calls their show these days or then. Yeah. That was a bad joke. And then, <laughs> they, they changed their name a lot. Yeah, they have. And that was a tough hill to climb. Yes. Because you had limited sources. So they would be all live with creative live shots, and they had great photographers who, you know, the phrase used to be back then would make the old people dizzy because (laughs) they were whipping around so much and zooming in (laughs) and making it as exciting as it could possibly be. Yeah, but you still have to visually catch up with it. Sure, sure, sure. But that was a lot of the news director's jokes then. You know, make me dizzy, make me dizzy, make that camera spin, show us everything. (laughs) Woo, 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 woo. move, Move it, move it, move it, go, go. Um, but no, there, there was a time when I had, I mean, I'd go through a list of photographers of mine that are working at major networks now. Um, some are based out of London and it's amazing when your memories pop up and you see how many of these people you've worked with and have gone on. In fact, I was just in Dallas over the weekend. I was with my old roommate who used to be sports director at 23 for a while, Brian Bachman, his wife, Christine Locke at the time, now Christine Bachman. And they were in the business for a while and one of our friends who was a photographer had gone on and ended up in Detroit. And that's where he wanted to be because he's from that area hmm. and a huge sports fan too from oh, that area. Yeah. And he has since passed away. So we, you know, we spent a few minutes remembering that friend of ours yeah. who was from the Detroit market. So is the guy and the girl in Dallas, are they still in the industry? They're not. They're, they're not. not. Well, I guess okay. you could say they are in a way. Okay. Um, Brian's in the Jumbotron industry. Oh. And Christine does a lot of PR, public relations work. Oh, well, that's sort yeah. of kissing cousins. Yes. Yeah. By the way, uh, do you know John Williams on WGN? I do. He does middays. I was listening to him on the drive here. Just so you're familiar now with Now that I can't hear you on WLUV, <laughs> you know? I was so complimented when you mentioned that. We were out at Brat Days, uh-huh. and you had just randomly uh, mentioned, you know, I sort of miss listening to you on my way home. And I go, come on, you're, you're kidding me, right? I go, no, I used to li- I said, WLUV, are you serious? And the go, last yeah. story I heard you tell on there, the last time I got to listen, you were talking about your trip back from Missouri, I think. Wow. Mm. Well, I take that as a huge compliment that you would have an interest and that it, it made you come back. WLUV and Tim Larson at 121. Good afternoon. Overcast skies and 52 now in northern Illinois. Hey, if it's full disclosure, I have to admit to you that last Wednesday, which was St. Patrick's Day and my dad's 89th birthday for that matter, I had a full array of rainbow colors to choose from in my closet of polo shirts to wear. Hmm. What did I pick out? Yellow. Yeah, so today I am wearing green. I'm wearing my green Cubs hat, you know, that they did sort of a special thing, and it's signed by Bill Buckner. I'm doing all that. Hopefully it will sort of counteract that move that I made 
last Wednesday. It was embarrassing. It really was. It's like, come on, how could I not know this? I, I do know that my dumbass membership is still, you know, intact and no risk of being revoked. Hey, I got to tell you something about this guy. When the Beatles were sniffing around for a keyboardist to play on Here Comes the Sun, they found this guy. It's Billy Preston on WLUV. I always had a, a little glimmer for WLUV. I, you know, for 25 years to go to 23, I've driven by there because oh, yeah. I take Elmwood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I always look over. So, yeah. When I worked there in, in 1977 and 78, I was 16 years old. Wow. And every time I went back, which was probably about every four years, I would visit Joe Salvi. Mm -hmm. And, of course, older and older and older, the things in the radio station would pile up a little bit more because he saved every wire and every knob, but always sharp as a tack. Now, imagine the people. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because you say you've had so many photographers over the years. Imagine all the people that have been through WLUV or any radio station or any media for that sure. matter. And he knew somehow he had a filing cabinet in his head that he would ask me about people that I worked with. And I'm going, my God, all, he's owned the station since 1963. Wouldn't you think that there would be a lot of opportunities that he would say, hey, what, you ever talked to so-and-so? And I go, I have no idea who you're talking to. Never once. Wow. Never once. Sharp as a tack until he was 98 years old. So we came back in and we started doing live shows and got the radio station prepped for sale. And uh, VCY America, which is a Christian ministry group out in Milwaukee, I think they have 70 stations, so now they're part of a bigger conglomeration. But anyway, getting back to John Williams, I'm a big fan of John Williams on WGN. So you are familiar with speed jokes. Okay, I don't know I've if... I've listened to your speed jokes on speed jokes. <laughs> have you really? Yes, I have. Wow. I have, I have. Wow, that's another shocker. So they had one the other day that had to do with a newscaster, a TV newscaster. And here's how it went. This TV newscaster is reporting on the scene that Count Chocula, the Ghostbuster Marshmallow Man, and two Graham teddy bears were simultaneously injured in a fire. Some more details at 10 o'clock. Got it. <laughs> Got it. That's a good one to share for, yeah. I know. Yeah. They're stupid, but they're funny. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and when you mesh them all together and they roll out as quickly as they do. Oh, and he's so good. Mm -hmm. He's so good at it. The delivery. Yeah. Tell me more about the Live at Five on WROK. How did you attack that? Because you said it was after Dean Irvin had done that. Yes. How did you attack it when you were coming in from the TV station to the radio station? What was your guide or your path or your prep or just how did you take it on? I first thought, oh my goodness, <laughs> what am I thinking? Yes. Because I'm getting up at, at that time, 2.45, 3.05 in the morning, uh -huh. doing the morning show, doing a noon show, going home for a little bit, then doing a little radio prep and going down and doing live at 5. Uh, it was interesting. And to never have really done a radio show before, I guess I dug deep back to when I was a kid and I used to sit the kids around in the neighborhood at the table and I used to play radio. Oh. And that's where it kind of started jiving for me at that. So it, now you just wanted to do it for real. I wanted to do it for real. I did. And I figured we'll just chat. We'll have a good time. We'll be off the cuff. We'll be live at five. It's the end of a long day. You want to get home 
and we'll try to get you through those final minutes there while you do yeah. end your day and, and go home, hopefully in a better mood. Did you not take a nap before you came in? You... I found this, and this will be... Um... <laughs> Boy, I'm telling you the truth here in Storytellers. Yeah, that's a little revealing. If, if, if I took a nap, I would come in more grumpy, and oh. then we would be a little more sassy in the type of topics we did in the phone calls. <laughs> if I didn't take a nap, I was, for whatever reason, a little more... I guess punchy, mellow, agreeable. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, some of those days after a nap, (laughs) there was a grouch factor because, you know, then we were tackling sometimes the the big story of the day before politics really took hold. Yes. Uh, We were still able to navigate away from the politics aspect of a lot of things. Um, But, you know, pothole patrol. You know, oh. you come off a hard winter and yeah. everyone's mad about their roads yeah. and those phone calls can get kind of heated. And yeah. and so those were some times I remember where things would get a little more intense. But I could just imagine you, though, because it's sort of hilarious that you're you're Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky on TV 23 in the morning. Doesn't matter where you are, you're excited about whoever you're talking to and wherever you are. That was one opportunity where I got to do, what are you talking about? Really, what wrote... <laughs> Tell me that again. No, that's not true. I was just there today. How, how do you? You would. Just, how do you compute that? You would just hang them out the line. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it could get so just Dumb. lunacy would take yeah. control, and it's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And sometimes I think you know we people will. And you can't change their mind. Oh, no. It is what they saw. It they, is what they lived. They it is ha- how it goes. They have an agenda. But I encourage people then at that point, you know, drive by. I guarantee you that's not what's happening there. Wow. If someone's out there driving by right now, pull over there and call us. Here's the number. Be my on-the-spot reporter. You're gonna Please. Call, you're going to call everybody to the carpet. I, I can see you having a nap and coming in all kinds of grumpy, and somebody goes, you know, it's National Cupcake Day. Who the hell cares? What flavor do you do? It, oh, no, really? Sprinkles? No sprinkles? Come on. And I play the <laughs> national game, but by that time of the day, you're right. I don't care. <laughs> if you didn't know what national day it was before 5 p.m., <laughs> It doesn't matter. Yeah. It does not matter. Totally different then. Oh, God, that's fun. And you did this for how many years? As near as I can remember, I think about five and a half years. Definitely five years because I think a few friends and a few coworkers at the TV station had a running bet on how long I would do it just because of the time constraints. Oh, absolutely. And I'll say the five years just flew by, but I think it was like 2006 to 2011 or 2007 to 2012, because after I left there, the ratings were decent for that little time slot. And I thought, Mm -hmm. hey, if I'm going to keep doing this, I need Fridays off because I'm done at 1230. And sometimes I want to leave out, go to Wisconsin, go somewhere for a long weekend. And I'd like to be able to hit the road and not be tied to that one hour, 5 to 6 p.m. Or maybe we can tape it. Well, the show's called live at 5, Aaron. And we didn't come to an agreement, and it, it, I was like, fine, that's that's good. So do you remember who your program director was at the time? I do. Or maybe multiples, if it was five and um, a half years. It was one. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, no, two. Two. Some are still in the business. That's, I guess yeah. that's possible. Yeah. Uh, Steve Summers. Oh, Steve Summers. Yes. Yeah. Wow, he was there for a very long time. Yes. Steve and I ran parallels. What I did on WROK, he did on WZOK. Okay. And, of course, you know, he moved up the ladder and so on and yes. so forth. There were a lot of uh, who could get to the price cabinet quick enough. 
you know, because I need to fill my van and he needed to fill his van, uh, you know, that type of stuff for whatever we were going to do. And we continue just to be sort of radio brothers having worked together. But then Sky Drysdale, if you've ever known Sky Drysdale, he and I refer to each other that we are radio brothers from different mothers because we have always been friends, but never, ever worked together. Never, really? Never crossed lines. So I did no. a lot of toy drives with him. Oh, for Sky's Guys? Yeah, well, not Sky's Guys then. It was for Mountain of Toys. Oh, sure. Uh, but it was back where we'd have the big RV out and Mountain of Toys with Joe Marino. Yeah. And, and he would be there. And, yeah. Wow. Tell me about Vets Roll. Oh, it's fantastic. Was it number five for Trip you? Trip number five for me. Okay. Yes. Vets Roll is near and dear to the heart. Mark Finnegan and that entire board and all of those volunteers do such a great job. And then all the folks who make a financial commitment to, to fund mm-hmm. that great adventure out to our nation's capital with those veterans and Rosies is just remarkable. They just returned. There were five buses with people in them. There was a sixth bus that was... I'm glad you said that. I keep getting in trouble for saying five buses. <laughs> there was one other bus. But it was a backup bus. It was there in case any problems happened with any of our buses along the way. Oh, I thought it was but like they supplies all, no, and stuff. They wanted us to say there was that sixth bus, though. Just the bus drivers. I think you know they wanted to make sure that every yeah, driver was getting yeah. credit. For this year, you had 94 vets. You had about 220 total people that went out there, you were a Sunday through a Wednesday, and it was nonstop, and mm-hmm. you could be showing up at a memorial, like the Marines Memorial, at sunrise. Yes. You could just tell the emotions from whenever they either walked up or they were in a wheelchair, which tells you, you your assistants are fantastic mm-hmm. for what they do for these veterans, that physically the emotions just hit them. It was like hitting a wall of some sort but the wall wasn't there but as soon as they got just so close it all started flooding back and there were many times where you were there to talk to them and just catch what they were feeling and all you had to do was just hold the mic out Mm -hmm. and just let them go yes and it was excellent footage it was excellent tv and i've seen it before but of course now i'm paying more attention to what you're Mm -hmm. doing and you guys took like a was it a two or a three-year hiatus because of the pandemic? Yes. Three trips. You, you did not go on three trips. Yeah. Wow. They were obviously all wound up like eight-day clocks to be able to get it going again. It, it Yes, and it, it worked out. I think you know, going at a different time of the year, having that smaller group mm-hmm. um, really made this trip special. Um, yes, just to be back in and of itself. But then when you think about how many of our World War II veterans we aren't going to have here soon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really a timing issue, and time is running out quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to get them in on the trip was special. Not to take away from the other veterans who went uh, when we talked Korean and Vietnam, but but to have those World War II veterans there was, was well, key. And the minute you explain it to them, they certainly understand yes. that, you know, they're sort of, they're, they're going to be in that same bucket, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be 10 or 12 years from now, you know, they certainly are. Has there been something that stood out on this trip that just caught you off guard and you're just going, holy cow, either a person or a place you went or the timing or something that you eavesdropped on, anything like that? I could just imagine myself in that position. Every trip has a unique story. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you think about somebody who's been to war and has 
watched countless people die, has maybe held on to a person while they die. Mm-hmm. Um, those stories, you, you can't just pick one when you really start thinking about what a lot of these people have gone through. A lot of these folks who served our country and served it well. But I think what always sticks out in every trip, Tim, is that so many of them don't feel like they did anything. They oh. did. I know. Oh, but that my. They they are very. They don't want to take credit. They shy away from the recognition, um, and they simply put, "I did what I was supposed to do," and. That is always a comment that I get on every one of these trips that I've done and multiple times over. Like, I appreciate the trip. I appreciate the way you're doing it, but I'm not Uh, worthy. I I wouldn't go over the trip part, but yes, the unworthy feeling part. Like, I can't believe they're doing this for me is a line that I hear often. I can't believe this is happening for us. Wow. They're all really out here for us. I mean, those are the type of comments that you hear when we pull up to large groups, cities, um, especially the final homecoming parade. Yeah, that was fun. Um, that final push, that's where you really start hearing that. And you know, when you look out, it's dark on the bus, and you've got all the first responder lights mm-hmm. and the flashes of cameras outside. And every now and then you can see that reflection in the window of a vet who's just looking out there. A million motions probably going on, million thoughts going on, and you see that tear going yeah. down that and reflecting out of the glass. And moments from then, they are going to be in the midst of it mm-hmm. because you you get out of the bus and you get your things together and you go down the crowd and into the auditorium for the closing ceremony, and it's all sort of Hollywood. I mean, everybody's and it's on designed each side. to be that way because most of them didn't get any response when they came home. Wow. And and that I think then is what I heard more of this time. Being able to talk to a few after the fact is that you know we never got this when we came home. Hmm. We were brought home and just kind of dropped off and back to life. You go. Yeah. Thank you. Unprepared. Yeah, just... Go hey. get them. Yeah, yeah, go get them. Do what you can. Mm-hmm. Wow. Tell me about Bill Hunter, because you sent me a picture. Mm-hmm. I think you guys were in a lobby of a hotel somewhere, and you were just sort of waiting for people to trickle in. And he's sitting there. He's 99 years old. He's sitting there. Young, 99 years <laughs> old. Oh, yeah, absolutely. After the stories that I heard. You talk about somebody who can retain <clears throat> everyone he's met. So I heard. The names. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah. And you sent me a picture of Bill and then my son, who is mm-hmm. your photographer. Uh, Eric was sitting on the ground with his legs crossed and his camera and his headphones and everything sort of there. And the picture was just, you couldn't help but see that Eric was in awe of whatever Bill was telling him. Whatever that was. And it didn't matter what Bill it was. Bill Hunter's a showman. 80 years as a magician. Oh, my. Uh, performing for weeks before in Indianapolis 500 and all the private suites. Oh. I mean, that, that was his job. Oh, my. And he has just performed his entire life. And he is fantastic at it. He got up and, and did a show. Did he really? On our final night at Vets Roll. Wow. And he brought the house down. 
the timing, the comedic timing, because it's not just a magician up there doing these amazing tricks, by mm-hmm, the way, mm-hmm. the dexterity that he still has and the ability to still do sleight of eye and, and, and fool everyone oh. in the crowd with a camera shooting tightly on what he's doing. Yes, and he knows And he still pulls it off. But it's the rhythm and the joke that goes along with all of it and the masterful way that he just reeled that crowd in. I mean, the real stomach laughter all the way to the very end getting off stage. Good for him. And here here was the best part. He came up to me the next morning and goes, you know, I would have done a much more elaborate show if this place could have given me a bigger stage. (laughs) And a better microphone set. <laughs> and he knew what he needed. He did. Because he's been there before. Because he has. <laughs> That's hilarious. I was at the Potato Shack the other day. You and I both know Pete. Pete knows everybody. He So does George. He carries on. Yes, George does too. He carries on the conversations and he throws out the food all at the same time. It's just, it's an incredible system. Good morning. How are you? Yeah. Take a seat anywhere. Yeah, that's okay. Here you go. <laughs> Hope you enjoy it. So I was telling him about you and Eric coming back from Vets Roll, and I was telling him about this, you know, 99-year-old guy, magician. He goes, you mean Bill Hunter? He knew Bill Hunter. Mm -hmm. And he went on and on with stories that I hadn't heard from you or heard from Eric, and it's like, this guy's incredible. Well, Pete's a car guy. Well, he is. Oh, that's the connection between him and Bill? Yeah. Yeah, Pete. I can only assume. I don't know that for a fact. Yeah. But I'm thinking... Pete's a car guy. Yeah, Pete is a is a big car guy. Yes. Wow. Something else that impressed me with being sort of on the outskirts of sending you guys off at 4.30 in the morning and receiving you guys back at 10.30 at night from Vets Roll <laughs> is not only the amount of people that were there, but the incredible organization. This clearly is not their first rodeo. No. <laughs> but, Wow. It's amazing. And if that carried on through the entire trip, then it makes your job a lot easier. Sure. Yeah. And when um, Andy and Marta were showing the path that you guys were going to take, you guys went down to Dayton and you went to what I saw, which I did not realize this, was the largest and the oldest aviation museum in the world. Right. Patterson Air Force Base Museum. In Dayton. Yes. And it's a must-see. I mean, if you're ever looking for an incredible stop during the summertime, please do put some time into that location. Really? Yes. Easily accessible. Everybody can go in the whole nine yards. It's huge. And it covers all of aviation for this country. And the amount of airplanes they have and helicopters and rockets and missiles. Just the square footage alone. It's unbelievable wow. when you get in there and actually see this. And in previous vets rolls, we've actually done a dinner there oh. underneath oh. all those B-52 bomber. Oh, my. And, and there you are with these huge, larger-than-life aircraft surrounding you while you're having dinner. Wow. When I talked to our son, Eric, that first night, and I says, how did it go? And he goes, it's hectic. You know, you're the first one out of the bus. You have to be eight places at the same time. Thank goodness we have a, what they call a lens team of five people. And then you shared footage and stills at the end of the day. He says, still, it's, it's 40 pounds of equipment and you got to be everywhere. I said, okay, given that, what, what was your highlight of the you day? You got to be everywhere and you don't really have your spot. No, no, that's <laughs> you gotta, true. You got to put that in there. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> 
And I said, what was the highlight of your day? And he goes, mm, I can't pick one. Hmm. And I go, come on. He goes, no, if I had to pick one. He goes, okay, we went to the aviation museum today and I'm walking through and I'm getting footage and stuff, which is just, you know, generic B-roll type of thing. And there was a vet that was walking sort of next to me. And he says, as we approached an aircraft, I don't know if it was a B-52 or what it was, but as we approached the aircraft, the, the vet goes, oh, there she is. And he goes, what are you talking about? Now, Eric could have not said anything to him and just kept along without his job or doing his job. And he says, that's, that's the aircraft that my crew and I flew in. And, you know, it's so big that we played basketball inside that plane. He says, you've got to be kidding me. And there was this Paul Harvey pause, and he leaned into Eric, and he goes, while we were in flight. And, of course, that's a classic story right there without any more details. It's like, come on, really? You're playing basketball with six or eight people in flight in a B-52? Those are the kind of things that you just you just don't hear all the time. You, the history books aren't going to teach you that. It's all that extra emotional, personal stuff. And he went on and on and on with other things that, um, that he enjoyed from the trip. So I, I thank you for being not only an encourager for him to go on that trip with you, but also um, you're mentoring a, a young person just in the media and it would be easier for you not to mentor somebody because mentoring takes work. And so I do, I do appreciate that. And it does matter. So just so you know. So he told you he only got like three hours of sleep a night? At best. <laughs> at best. I said, well, you're sort of used to this because we did NYLT at the Boy Scouts. Okay. I said, aren't you sort of used to this? And he goes, yeah, that's a really good comparison, except, you know, we had flush toilets this time. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really cool. And he also uh, ran into one of our fellow leaders, Ron Scott, from the Boy Scout NYLT and all the other stuff that we have done over the years. Fire and iron, baby. Yeah, one of six motorcyclists that escorted you guys out and back. And I understand that when you guys were coming through Ohio, I think, you're like you're outside of Cleveland, it started to snow or something. Oh, yeah. And so here these motorcyclists are just sort of fighting the wind and fighting the snow. Either way, they do what they have it to do. It seems short-lived, but boy, I think if you were out there white-knuckling it, it, yeah. it might have felt a little longer. <laughs> a little chilly. Yeah. Tell me about your stop in Cleveland. Well, we had an opportunity to dine at the First Energy Stadium, and that's home of the Cleveland Browns. Nice. Again, another beautiful setting to recognize what that trip's all about, and mm-hmm. that's that's the veterans. And you know, sometimes when you have those big group meals, you kind of wonder what the food quality is going to be like. Outstanding. How did they get the manpower at each of these cities to to serve you guys so well? Is it like the local VFWs or something uh, like that? They can come into play sometimes, but I think you know for that one it was catered through the stadium. But I know that the stadium really wanted this group oh. to be there for lunch to recognize them. Nice. You know, football fans can be a little um, oh, a little sharp with their comments. And when they found out that you guys were stopping on a Wednesday at the Cleveland Browns Stadium, they said, well, that makes sense. And I'm thinking, well, of course it makes sense. It's a Wednesday. It's not the weekend when you could possibly have a game there. And they pause and they go, well, they don't use it for football. It's like, ouch. Ouch. (laughs) You know, you're right. It was coming off that snow. 
the rain, the wind. They weren't really using it for football that day. <laughs> no, they were The tarp weren't. was over the field. Yeah. Uh, the dog pound looked, looked sad. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm so glad that you do so much into the community because everybody knows, whether it be a paid live shot on TV23 or not, you choose to be out in the community and sharing what people are doing with your audience and for those people that can't or won't or whatever the case may be, they're living vicariously through you every morning. And I'm sure you're aware of that because of the way you handle yourself and the way that you talk to the people. You know, it'd be fun if you were only going to state fairs or you were only going to charitable events that were fun. But you go to manufacturers mm -hmm. and you go to these things that probably initially are not woo-woo or a big flag or a highlight on a list, but you make them that way and you make them interesting. And that's a credit to you because others try. It's And it's live. I mean, we're not, yeah. we're not saying stop, retake. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Didn't like that one. Let's do it again. It's, it's live TV. You know, we go back to when I interned at 13 and you have the bug and I'm not going to lie. My, my resume taped to Channel 23 was done at Eswood Elementary School. My good friend Amy Michelson, her first teaching job, where you pulled the map down over the chalkboard, and I had a paper H for high pressure and a paper L for low pressure and a little cold front dangling down and taped that on a camcorder. That's hilarious. And sent that in. Um, but going back to the internship and, and getting out live, there was an old maroon 13 WREX live van. and. Okay. It was so old and so dangerous yeah. that it didn't even have a floorboard in certain spots of the van. What? And I'll never forget, Andy Fiducia was the photographer, Gail Fisher was the talent. I remember those names. And we're speeding up to Hananiga to cover football because Gail did sports, and Robert Lanigan was the sports director. She was the weekend sports anchor. Yeah. So she was going to give the Friday night, whatever they called it back then. It always has some special name for Friday night football. And we were going to give the report on that. And I was tagging along. I was on a roller chair in the back of the van trying to avoid the hole as I was watching the stripes on the pavement go by. <laughs> and that is no joke. A little bit of a Fred Flintstone thing it going on. Unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> And you go, that's when I belong and, at TV 23. But I was fascinated by the live truck. Yeah. And so, you know, my second weekend ever after I started doing weekends at 23, I was out live. I begged and begged and begged. I can go right down the road. It's not going to cause any problems for us to pull the live truck down the road to Lockwood Park to the children's farm. Yeah. And I can do the haunted hayride. My good friend that I go to college with, Don Rundle. He's over there. He's running the whole system. We were camp directors together because he would do Camp Conestoga, Camp Aww, Eagle Hill. Yeah. I did Camp Lone Oak. I'm like, it's easy. I can slip right in there. We can try to go as far as possible as the cables will let us go live on the wagon. It'll be great. And somehow, some way, they let me. So the second evening I ever worked on a Saturday night, 6 p.m., I was live at Lockwood. Wow. So that's why just a few weeks ago, being back at Lockwood again, right around my 25th anniversary, it was just, just full circle. Yeah. Is that when you were in with the goats? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's in your DNA. I love being live. Yeah. I would rather be live than tape anything. And I would rather be live than be in a studio underneath lights. And, yeah. and as your son's probably told you, I'm always like, get the camera off me if we got to find something 
let's show faces, let's show stuff, but it's yeah. not like me on camera. You know what that sounds like is Mike Rowe with Dirty Jobs. The story is about what they do. I'm just the vehicle yes. to talk about it and joke and draw attention to what they are doing. That sounds very reminiscent of Mike mm -hmm. Rowe. If you had a wish list going forward, if you had a wish list, I would really like to do a show from here. I've done no, the no. show from the Arctic Circle, by the way, Tim. Have you really? Yes. What is that about? We went there with Brent Mead from Grunos Diamonds, and we were on the mission to find polar bear diamonds. And there we were, outside of Yellowknife in the Northwest Territories. Yes. What year was this? Oh, boy. I can't. I'd have to, I'd have to look that up. We were able to send back as live taped versions because obviously it was so long ago the links wouldn't work correctly, but I ended up then having to broadcast live from a satellite telephone. And have you ever seen a satellite telephone? They're gigantic. They're huge. Yeah. So we did parts of the show with that, and we would send back B-roll video of what I was then talking about over the satellite telephone. You would send it ahead of time, the B-roll ahead of time. Yes. They would have it at the TV station. They would roll it when your voiceover was on the satellite. Yes. Give me a break. Because I just wanted to say we broadcasted live from the Arctic Circle. <laughs> and we did. Wow. We did. It cracks me up when you were talking about Lockwood Park and the and the van. And you remember the big hydraulic oh, sure. masts that used to go up? Yes. And, of course, they would always break, whether it be radio or TV. Something or would freeze. Up. Yeah, there'd be a problem Stuck. of some sort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, geez. If you didn't have a screwdriver, you were sort of Wind, screwed. Wind, lightning, you know, those things. Yeah, those things. Low bridges, you know, that type of thing. But when you said cables, we could go as far as the cables would allow us mm -hmm. to go. That brought back just... All these images of people back in the day, because, you know, when we were in radio, you would be lots of times at the same place that the TV stations would be, or several TV stations. And to see those people doing the whole cable gr grab, well, now you're basically doing your signal via telephone, aren't yeah, you? Sure. Via cell phone. So you can go virtually anywhere. And once that started, I mean, right out of the gate, I, I did a southern tour. We went down south, so we were able to broadcast from St. Louis. Um, we broadcasted from, it's where the National Quilt Museum is, and I'm drawing Paducah. a blank. Paducah, I've Kentucky. Been there. Paducah, we Kentucky. did the show from there, and wow. we did the show from New Orleans, and we did the show from Goche, Mississippi. And that was our, our whole Southern tour. We went down with our old friend, Sylvia. We did a cooking segment with her in Gaucher, right on the Gulf. Uh, we actually went out to the Gulf on a boat and did the show out there. Yes, we've been able, wow. and we did five Great Lakes in five days. We had an RV parked right at the end of Niagara Falls. And that's where we spent the night and then got up and did the show bright and early. Wow. Yes. Do you know a little trivia about Sylvia as to who her aunt and uncle are? I, I'm going to let you tell the story. Norris Aldean. Okay. Norris and Margaret Aldean are related to Sylvia. And when we were doing the fundraising to restore the barn that's on Aldean Golf Course mm -hmm. that my grandfather built in 1928, uh, she had me on her radio show. Back then it was WNTA. Mm -hmm. And we did some fundraising and, some, you know, stuff like that. And we, we raised the money in virtually no time and gave the barn a new face. We met so many great people. And that was one thing that I've known Sylvia for a while, but I certainly didn't know that side of her. Mm -hmm. 
it just sort of all melded together because of our commonality with Aldine Golf Course. Wow. Isn't that something? Yes. Yeah. And do you know her just by the media? And then you just stayed friends in order to be able to visit her? So there's a Polaroid when I got my dog Chase, my golden retriever Chase, way back when. And she and Al had Town and Country up in Roscoe. Sure. And you got your Polaroid picture taken and put on the ceiling anytime you got a new puppy. So (laughs) when they sold Town and Country, I got that picture back, but knew both of them for a really long time. Wow. Very nice. So did you answer the question of what's on your wish list? Because you said you've been so many great places. Just any type of trip that we could go on and show people something they might not have ever seen before or... Are Are you a national parks person? I can be. I can. No, I mean, I've, I've been to my share of national parks. The reason I say it like that is because in the broadcast aspect of it, I would be worried about signals. Oh, yeah. Uh, because if you really get to the, the, you know, the gems, yes. you're going to have some issues there. Yeah, you are. That's yeah. true. Uh, there is a place that I'm going to go that you probably drove very close to in eastern Ohio. It's a state park. It's called Hocking Hills. And it is so cool based on these people that have come back and say, geez, if you like national parks, you really need to go here because it's right on the edge of size and quality and beauty and everything else that it really should be a national park, that type of thing. I think it's maybe seven hours away. So it's not like going to Yosemite or Yellowstone or anything like that. So you might want to just keep that one on your radar. I will. I mean, we ran into signal issues. We, We tried to get to Yellowstone. Oh. And and we were broadcasting from, gosh, everything from Mount Rushmore. What is the other one that I always forget here? It's more in the Native American sense. Not the Great Tetons. No, no, no. Oh, the Monument. Crazy Horse. There you go. We were able to broadcast at the top of that. And the gentleman who is in charge of getting that sculpted is from Boone County. Come on. Yes. So there we are broadcasting with him live at the top of Crazy Horse. Did you go to high school with him too? No, no, okay, I did not. But it's again it. just one of those moments where you can. You, who would have thought you'd be at the top of that? And and these trips just kind of evolve once you're out there and people see that. Then they're like, "You got to talk to so and so. You wouldn't yes. believe they're in charge of." Well, yeah. Who knew that that person would be from Boone County? Wow, I'll tell you from being in the media and and you still being in the media in a different way. People will open up every door they can. Well, come on in here. Mm-hmm. If you were walking in, Aaron Wilson, do to do to do, they would never open up that door. But you've got a microphone, you want to tell a story, you want their story, you've got a camera guy. They go, here, come on in. And you've been able to go places that would never be available to you if you didn't work for a TV station. True. There is some kind of special to that when you get to be. 80 years old, or you get to be Bill Hunter's age, and you're sitting next to that person in this hotel, and you're telling them stories. Well, you know, I used to broadcast from so-and-so. So what you're saying is you were told how many of Bill's jokes I was scribbling down. <laughs> no, oh. I, I am not admitting that okay. at all. Okay, all right. No. All right. <laughs> Aaron, thank you so much for coming in. It's good to be here. This is fun. I really appreciate it. And, and a, a very special thanks for coming in and doing the live shot because John Strandon and Liz Wilder and Fred Spear, who joined us that morning, it was a charge for them because it was live. We never knew what you were going to ask us. They handled it so well and they got such a big charge out of it. So I hope the audience enjoyed it too, but I I thank you for coming in and doing that with us. It was fun. It was great.
Yeah. Enjoyed every second of it. Yeah. Thanks again. Stay tuned, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Storyteller's Studio in celebration of WROK Radio's 100th year in broadcasting.